Well, good morning to our online friends, and welcome to the fourth week of our The Story of the Bible series. We're so grateful you're with us, and uh, we know that there's a lot of different ways that you can be online with us. You could be right there on Facebook, ccmonline.org, or on YouTube. And we also know that uh, maybe you're with us on our podcast later on the week. So whether you are here now or are with us later on the week, we're so grateful you've decided to spend a little bit of time with us. Uh, we'll be receiving communion together in a little bit, and we'll We'll uh, be worshiping together and learning and uh, having great conversations together. So we're so grateful you are here. We say welcome, and uh, we're, again, so grateful you're with us.
of the story of the Bible, and Hannah is going to be teaching us again today. Let's hear it for Hannah. How awesome has this series been? And Hannah is such a trooper. So today, yeah, she's such a hero. Claire and I are so impressed with Hannah, and I know you guys are too, but uh, Jacqueline and Griff were supposed to be teaching today, uh, and they had some things come up. Uh, they're not they're not feeling well, so we continue to pray for them. Uh, but uh, I we were in a we were in a creative team meeting the other day, and um, I said, "Well, Claire and I'll be there." And uh, Hannah said, "Well, I'll be there too, and I can do it if they don't do it." When we were trying to determine are they going to be okay, and at that point they thought they were going to be okay. So Hannah's a hero because <laughs> all of you know you're all petrified to speak. And then think about if all of a sudden you're like, well, you're on. It's your <laughs> response. But anyway, we know that Hannah is so ready. So this has been such a great series. Also want to invite you guys next week. We're starting a new series uh, on what's at your core. We're going to be talking about core values. You may not know what your core values are, but you have them. We're going to talk about that. Crossroads Church has core values. We're so excited about that series. So uh, Claire and I, or Claire or I, will be talking next week, kicking that series off. So we're looking forward to that. But let's hear it for Hannah. Well, yeah. Thank you. thank you. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be on this fourth and final week of the story of the Bible. And uh, taking the whole Bible on in four weeks felt ambitious, and it has been. Um, so we're going to start just by recapping where we've been. We had a holiday weekend. We've had a lot going on. Um, so in case you missed a couple weeks, we're going to talk about where we've been so we can get to where we're going today. Um, and I'm going to be using a diagram um, from InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that I learned as a tool to share the gospel that actually really well works for this purpose as well. You can recap the whole Bible in like a minute. It's amazing. So um, we started by talking about how we are created for good. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm drawing stuff um, that people can see, so it might be awkward, but bear with me. So we talked about how we were created for good, and that when people were created, they were in perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with the world, and perfect relationship with each other. Um, and that this goodness existed not just in all of those things, but between all of those things. And um, it doesn't take long for you to notice as a person that that's not how the world is today. Um, today's the 21st anniversary of 9-11. Um, some of us remember where we were in those moments of terrorism. Some of us are like, we're like, it's been a long time. So many acts of violence have happened since then. There's so many other things on my mind. Um, we've had a pandemic um, natural disasters, right? There's so many ways that we experience brokenness. And the Old Testament explains to us that this is because people decided to uh, go their own way. We were created in perfect partnership with God, and when we decided to make our own decisions instead of partnering with God, brokenness entered our relationship with God. It entered the world because we were bad stewards of the world's resources. And it hurt our relationship with each other, right? And that feels accurate to the way the world is right now. And the Old Testament shows that no matter how many times God's people returned to him, they still went away from him. And there needed to be some divine intervention in order to escape this pattern. And so Jesus comes into the world, not the perfect world, but the really messed up one. 
He comes into the middle of it all. He's fully God and fully man, and he shows us the way we were intended to partner with God in the first place. He shows us the way that we were supposed to embody love and be good stewards of the resources and love one another. He shows us all of the ways that we can restore the world. And he talks about this thing called the kingdom of God. Um, and so when, he, when Jesus dies and resurrects, he restores our relationship with God, not just through his death and sacrifice, but showing us a completely new way to live. And he invites us to live into the kingdom of God as people who are living in response to his death and resurrection and his way of life. They're living into the kingdom of God, sent out into the world that is still broken. All of the squiggly lines <laughs> that is still broken. We are sent, but we have a restored relationship with God. And this changes everything, right? Because there are a lot of people who want to help our broken world. They want to fix the broken world. They want it to return to this place where we're created for good and goodness exists between and in all things. But without the death of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit coming through that restored relationship with Jesus, it's exhausting. It's not sustainable. It doesn't work. And so what we know today is that we are sent to heal as a church. And we are sent to reconcile people back to this original vision for shalom in the world. We're supposed to be the ones who bring about the on earth as it is in heaven kind of world that was imagined for us in the first place. And so what's amazing about this is we can invite people to see themselves in the story, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, sent to heal. That's what it says. <laughs> um, so we're invited. If you're, your life is like, I feel pretty good about it. Don't need Jesus. Sounds great. Um, I'm going to invite you to like live in reality. <laughs> Engage with the brokenness of the world because that comes first, right? We have to have our heart broken the way God's heart was broken for humanity. And then if you're living in this world and you feel hopeless, the invitation is to fix your eyes upon Jesus, right? Restore your hope in the world. And the invitation from there is always the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that sends us out to be healers in this world, healed ourselves, and with the invitation to heal others. So today, yeah, that's good news. <laughs> so today we're going to focus on this sent to heal part of the Bible. Um, we're going to look at the New Testament after the Gospels. Um, so AJ, you can go back to the PowerPoint now. Um, we're going to be talking about the formation of the church um, today and forever. We're going to look at the letters that are written in the, um, in the history of the New Testament, and we're going to look at Revelation, and we're going to talk about how we still live in between the letters and Revelation, right? We are still living in the New Testament. We are New Testament people living into the promises of Jesus. So today we're going to talk about how do we live the gospel, and I think it's important to know um, that Jesus left a lot more questions than answers. And I um, am always confused how he left people so confused. It's kind of like when we were created and God said, you can bear my image. You can represent me in the world. I'm thinking that's a really bad idea, right? Because I'm not God. Why would I represent God? Um, but Jesus leaves a very confused group of people that's very small to represent him to the entire world. And they have so many questions. Um, so we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 1. Um, they, the disciples, gathered around him, Jesus. This is after he was resurrected from the dead. He's walking around with the disciples. 
Um, and they, the disciples ask him, Lord, are you going, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And this question implies that they have a lot more questions, right? This is not the correct question in this situation. It implies that they still don't fully understand what Jesus was doing because Jesus isn't coming to restore just Israel, but the entire world. And instead of telling them that they're wrong, this is Jesus's response. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's like a wild statement because we see the Holy Spirit in other places in the Bible, but it's for like special people who go through a lot of things, right? Like it's not for you and me. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and dwell with you. Um, And Jesus is telling them the Holy Spirit that was upon him in Luke chapter four is going to be upon them soon. Um, So the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, a place that they didn't necessarily, you know, see the kingdom of God coming into all the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the last conversation the disciples have with Jesus. And it's not very clear about what's happening. Um, And I have to be honest, I really didn't like this story as a kid. Um, The idea of Jesus ascending into a cloud felt so ridiculous to me. And I didn't want Jesus to be ridiculous. Um, That was really scary to me. So I want this to be, this is my invitation this morning um, to embrace that this is a story. And in stories, things happen that we don't necessarily understand. And we get to let that rise to the surface. (laughs) We get to let that confuse us. We get to ask a question about that. Um, And we get to believe that there's more to the story if we don't understand it right now. Um, So I have to think that one of the first questions that the disciples are thinking as he's levitating into the sky, I don't really know what it looked like, um, but they have to be asking, right, now what? Now what do we do? (laughs) Um, The rest of the New Testament is people trying to live out their questions um, that Jesus leaves them with. And so we're going to approach this a few ways this morning, Um, one from the perspective of individuals and characters in Scripture who probably have some questions. And I think um, everybody's kind of asking, who is God? And I think that there's a longing in the human soul asking that question. I think everybody wants to know, what is God like, right? Um, And we get these pictures in the New Testament of how people are finding their answer to that question that give us some hints of what God is like in our own life. So the first person I want to look at is who is God to Mary, the mother of Jesus? Um, It says that after Jesus ascends, the disciples gather with the other women who are traveling with Jesus and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brothers of Jesus, and they try to figure out what they're going to do next, (laughs) which sounds pretty daunting to me. But it's hard to imagine, having recently had a child, um, what it was like to be the first home for Jesus. Um, what is Mary feeling um, as she has this wonder about what God has done when it doesn't make sense, the love she feels to be such an important part of this story. Um, And I think uh, the question that Mary might be asking is the same question she asks in Luke chapter 1 when she hears about all of this. She says, how can this be? And I have to believe that throughout the life of Jesus, that is what Mary is asking, right? She loses Jesus. He's in the temple and she's like, how can this be? How did I lose the son of God? She like watches her son perform miracles. How can this be? She watches her son die. 
How can this be? And then now he's ascended back into heaven, leaving them to fix the world, I guess, right? How can this be? But she has such wonder and love that the how can this be has transformed into this beautiful faithfulness. Another important person in the New Testament is Paul. Um, And who is God to Paul, right? They have different pictures of who God is and who Jesus is. And AJ and I were talking about it this week, and Paul's just so intense, right? And God is so immediate to Paul. Like, blinding in the middle of a road, I'm going to go persecute some Christians. No, I'm not, because Jesus is talking to me. And Paul gives us this picture of God that is worldview shattering. He's an invitation for us to change our minds um, when we're wrong, right? To have a better vision that allows us to see God more fully. And um, I think Paul's first question is also very telling. So Paul's name is Saul when he's walking on the road to Damascus. And he he didn't know Jesus while he was on earth, um, but he has this encounter with Jesus after the ascension. And um, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And his response is, who are you, Lord? And we see all of these letters that Paul writes to the churches and to people he's mentoring, and they're all addressing this question, who are you, Lord? Right? He spends his whole life intensely seeking out out who the Lord is. And the last couple people we're going to look at are Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, And they were part of the formation of the church. They're some of the most referenced people in the New Testament. And they are a married couple who are exiled from Rome. They go to Corinth. They're tent makers. They meet Paul in Corinth. Then they go to Ephesus and start a house church there. And it really seems like they're they're some of the people who kind of laid the foundations for what the church was going to look like in the early days. And they walked with purpose everywhere they went. God had a new thing in store for them. And I think a question that they asked was, how do we make our home a space where people can encounter God? They had a house church, right? They are in Corinth making tents, and they ask God, how can you use this, right? Everywhere they go, God brings something fresh for their life. And I think everywhere they go, they say, God, what is my purpose? What's next? And I don't know if any of these questions are resonating with you, but they're really big questions. And uh, I think these are the kinds of questions that we can't leave the Holy Spirit out of, right? If the Holy Spirit hadn't come down in Acts chapter 2, if we hadn't had the Holy Spirit to guide us through these questions, I don't think we're coming up with the right answers, right? And I think that um, throughout this series, I've tried to invite us to ask questions, and we're going to do that again today, but we're not asking questions for us to answer them ourselves, right? And I think the New Testament shows us that without the Holy Spirit, without God actually answering the question himself, um, we don't have a prayer of getting to where we want to go, because the questions are so big. And they have very little experience to rely upon at this point for what this all means. Um, So the Holy Spirit is helping them to answer these questions that we see in Scripture. And I have a ton of examples of questions because there are so many that are being responded to in the New Testament. But my invitation for you today is to think about which of these resonates with you. Which of these questions are you asking? Or is there a fresh question um, that comes to mind for you that you really need the Holy Spirit's help? and the partnership of community, which we see in the New Testament also, to answer. 
So some questions we see in Acts, um, which is the history book of the New Testament. Um, at Pentecost, they ask, what does this mean? <laughs> like flames of fire are sitting above people's heads. They're speaking in, in tongues. Everyone there, like people there speak different languages, but they can all understand what these people are saying. What does this mean? Seems like a pretty important question. Um, in Acts, there are widows who are being taken advantage of in their community. So they ask, how do we protect the vulnerable? And they create systems that protect marginalized people in their communities. At the Council of Jerusalem, they ask, what does it mean for Gentiles to join the church? In the book of Acts, we see all of these pa patterns where there's internal conflict, there's external conflict, and then there's a ton of church growth, which... Church growth always means internal conflict, right? We always go around. Because when new people come, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to protect them. We don't know what they need from us, right? And so um, as they start to realize Gentiles are a part of this whole situation, that people who aren't Jews are going to be a part of the kingdom of God, do they have to follow the Jewish law, right? Those are huge questions for a group of people who are still trying to figure out why Jesus didn't answer their questions while he was on earth. <laughs> um, and then we have the jailer who, after Paul and Silas are in prison, there's an earthquake, and all of the walls come down. The prisoners could escape, and they decide to stay to save the life of the jailer. And the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Right? This is an important question in the New Testament um, that we see that anyone can be saved, that if they believe in God, if they invite the power of the Holy Spirit into their life, anyone can do extraordinary things in the kingdom of God. And the rest of these I'm just going to run through really fast. Um, I think each of the letters in the New Testament, um, and I don't have all of them on here, but I think they all ask, are an answer to questions, right? So an individual is writing in response to a church or a person who needs mentoring or has questions or needs encouragement, and they answer things, right? Um, in Romans, we talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus in a culture that has rejected him? And that's very soon after Jesus died, but is still true for many of our brothers and sisters around the world today. To the Corinthians, how do we remain united as Christians and separate from sin? To the Galatians, how do we avoid legalism? That's still a question I ask in my life. Ephesians, why is grace the central mission of the church? What is grace and why does it matter so much? To the Philippians, what is joy? Um, to the Colossians, how do we handle false teaching, right? We're getting kind of practical here. Like, what do we do when somebody's teaching something that's not right? Um, Pris Priscilla and Aquila actually um, mentor Apollos, who's a great evangelist, evangelist, but needs some correcting in some of his teaching. Like, what's the difference between when we come alongside someone and when we rebuke or go against what someone is teaching. To the Thessalonians, what is the second coming of Jesus all about? I have so many questions about that. Um, to Timothy, what is pastoral ministry? I feel like so many times I've heard sermons about Timothy where it's like, and so he's teaching him all of the ways to be like a preacher in like the 21st century, but like there aren't other preachers, right? Like, we are figuring out what pastoral ministry is as Paul writes this letter to Timothy. Even more practical and relevant to the issue of the day, to Philemon, Paul writes, how should we treat a runaway slave, right? God has things to say, and we need the Holy Spirit to answer questions like this. Um, in James, how do you live a Christian life? In First Peter, how do we, what do we do in times of suffering? And in 1 John, why is love the appropriate response in a hostile world? 
all of these questions could be a lifetime long question, right? And the early church is sitting with the Holy Spirit, asking these beautiful questions and seeking the presence of God so that they can figure out what to do next, right? Because without the presence of God, they're not going to move forward. There's spaces where Paul's trying to decide where to go and he says, the Holy Spirit didn't let me go there, right? They're being so deeply guided in this community as to where to go that these questions are essential to figure out where they will go. I also think it's really important that the Holy Spirit was in community with them. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had needed who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I think there's this beautiful simplicity to the way that they lived their life. While these miraculous things are happening, they are gathering together and breaking bread. They are gathering together and remembering Jesus. And when we gather together remembering Jesus, asking beautiful questions, we're brought into the presence of the Holy Spirit and miracles happen, right? Um, and these are things we, do, we can do today, right? We don't, you know, we live in a capitalist society. Some of them feel really challenging. But we gather together today. We broke bread today. Um, and we invited the Holy Spirit into our questions today. And so we can count on miracles happening. And we're actually going to skip this slide for time. Um, And I think it's important that the Holy Spirit has done so many things um, throughout the Bible. But now the Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in each of you? whom you have received from God. And the invitation to have the Holy Spirit, not just in us, um, but through us, that if I have the Holy Spirit in me and I pray the way Scott invited me to pray, then the same spirit that anointed Jesus, the same spirit that anointed Isaiah to free the captives um, and to rescue the oppressed and all of those things, that same spirit is on us and that same anointing is on us. In the beautiful end to this story, um, Revelation also really bothered me. (laughs) Like if ascending into a cloud bothers me, then clearly Revelation bothers me. I asked my professor in college if I actually had to read this book since it's not real. (laughs) Um, And this beautiful image at the end of scripture, um, these letters, they write letters to the churches and they tell them the things that we need to do because we need to represent God to the whole earth. And then there's this beautiful picture of the, at the end of the new heaven and the new earth. And it says that, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away." And may it be so. 
I don't know what about me didn't want this to be real, right? Because it felt so fantastical, I like moved against it instead of praying for this reality. This doesn't have to be fantastical. This is the way that we are promised that the world will end. This is why we're sent to heal, because ultimately this is the end of the story, that God will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are a part of making that happen on the earth. Until this day, we wipe away every tear, and we're with people in death. Right? These are such important places to go. And so I just want to invite you um, to reflect on your questions um, from this series. Your question from today, if this was the day that you were at, what is coming to the surface for you that can bring you into the presence of Jesus? I think questions are so important because they invite us to things that aren't finished. They invite us to real vulnerability with God where we don't have an answer. And so allow those things to come to the surface because without asking the question, we don't get to the end of the story. Um, The people who bring their questions to God receive answers, receive miracles in their own life. So the invitation of this series has been that by having, you know, a two-minute way to recap the whole Bible, that we actually don't have to, like, read it all the time. (laughs) We can put it down. We can be in the presence of God. We can meditate on the word every day, and we can put it down, ponder the puzzles in the presence of God and with our friends, right? That the point of the Bible is actually to bring us into the presence of Jesus, and that doesn't always mean that we're reading the Bible itself. So the purpose of the Bible and the story of the Bible is actually that we would recognize the depth of who God is, right? The story helps us to recognize the presence of God in our own life so that when we sit with him, we see him. And when he speaks, we hear him, her, the Holy Spirit. We are with God, right? I think the invitation that I have um, returned to, Sarah Bessie has an invitation to an evening alone (laughs) where she talks about just go sit by water and you'll be tempted to bring your prayer prayer journal. You'll be tempted to bring that book about God. You're going to be tempted to make the list of all the things you can do to be better, right? But when we put those things down, and we start to watch the water move, and we focus on just one thing. The presence of God comes in, and we almost don't even notice that we're praying, right? The purpose of the story of the Bible is that all of that comes with us, not because we're reading it every moment of every day, but because it lives in our hearts, and we know we are a part of this story, and the same God is coming to us as we look at that water to be with us. So I want to thank Stacey Livingston one more time for this beautiful artwork from our series. Um, The four pieces, creation, the Old Testament promises, the life and love and sacrifice of Jesus, and the city in Revelation where we are going someday. But each piece has the invitation to be around the fire with our friends, pondering the puzzles of God together. And so for you, whether it's finding some water Um, if it's asking your question alone in your prayer closet, if it is sitting around some campfires this fall with friends, um, I just invite you to wonder about the story of God in new and fresh ways for your life. So Holy Spirit, we thank you um, that you help us to interpret God's word. We thank you that you are with us, that you hold us, even as we walked into this room you held us. And we pray 
that we would trust you. Um, I confess my questions often have to do with, can I really trust you? Can you really be this good? And can I trust myself to be with you? And God, we say today that we trust you, that we trust your word, and that we long to be in revelation with you. We long to have every tear wiped away and to return to total shalom. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us today. May we be guided by your love and represent you to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think one of the great gifts that Hannah's giving to us is to have a conversation with some people that you trust. Um, Today, at the back of the room, you'll be given bread to take communion with some people this week and maybe talk about your questions and say, you know, when Hannah said that, she was so right. And when she said that, man, was she so wrong. One of the things that um, I love about Hannah and one of the reasons that we hired her um, is because she she makes you ask questions. She's a great question asker. She's not fixated, even though she's been raised knowing God, she realizes she does not have God in her back pocket. And that's rare for a person in this world. When we think we know all the answers rather than being led to the right question to have a relationship with God. We, um, we are so blessed to know that the one that holds questions, and I know you probably don't know the song by heart, you know, when I struggle, when I question, they're restless times, they're honest times. But I wrote that song about 22 years ago when I was in the middle of questions. Um, and I... I found my relationship with God expanded in ways that I was closer to God than I ever was before without thinking, oh, I know what God says about this. You know, even the questions throughout the New Testament that Hannah pointed out to us, and I encourage you to get your Bibles out and go through those and look at the books of the Bible, and then realize sometimes God answers the question completely differently in one place than another. Like over here, he's sending Priscilla and Aquila out to lead the church, and in one church he said, let the women be silent. Well, what do you do with that? Well, you could build a whole doctrine about silent women, or you could build a whole doctrine around you have to be married to lead a church, like Priscilla and Aquila. So what are your questions? You might not have any of the same ones Hannah had, but I really encourage you to write your questions down and take a loaf of bread and sit down with some people and say, here are the questions I struggle with. Um, That one that Hannah struggled with, oh my gosh, I love the book of Revelation. You might be saying that from the beginning of time. Like I actually drew it. I started drawing headed things and levitations and dropping down and women giving birth. That's revelation. But others of you, 
you have your own questions. And honestly, um, a real relationship that is growing and expanding and deepening doesn't have God in your back pocket. Otherwise, there's no new thing to learn. When we wrote the Constitution and Bylaws of Crossroads many years ago, we wrote the ever-increasing revelation of God through the Holy Spirit. We are living the gospel now, and we're living the questions now. So I'm going to invite you just in these final couple of minutes to get honest with the God who loves questions because then there's a conversation rather than you telling God what God said ask God what God wants to say today and then tell God what your question is however you'd like to pray journal. Let's take a few minutes. It matters. questions, we get fearful that we'll fall into error. You know, like, oh, if I'm questioning, then maybe I'm just going to fall into error and it'll be dangerous. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is able to talk to you and tell you? Um, And if not, that's okay. But I want to promise you. You promised me I'd hear your voice and not hearken to the voice of a stranger. You promise me when you're my choice, you keep my life through danger. That's when I see you. That's when I find you. That's when I hear the words you say. That's when I see you.
to you. And so just take a moment and say, God, I'm looking for you. Jesus, I'm looking for you. Holy Spirit, I'm listening to you. You'll lead me. You'll help me. You'll anoint me. You'll give me what I need. Can you just say something to God like, I wonder what I'm going to find out about you. And then one time we were singing this song together as the band, and we ended up adding a little vamp at the end. I'm getting closer to my home. And I don't know if we can do that, and I don't remember if it was the who or if I, who, I'm getting closer to my home. Anybody remember that? Stand up for just a second. Because there is a new heaven and new earth coming right here on earth as it is in heaven. And that reality of bringing the new heaven and new earth is a call for us. And so we started singing, I'm getting closer to my home. I know Scott could sing it. All right, I know you could. It's Grand Funk Railroad. It's Is it? Yeah. Do it, Don. Yeah. I'm getting closer to my home. You guys remember this? Come on. We are. Come on. gives you directions for communion and talk to people about your questions about God and see what the Holy Spirit might do. That might, might just be like the day of Pentecost for you. And so before you go get your bread, will you please help us pick up because tomorrow this is going to be a home for people who are hungry and we want to be people who can bring home to them. Amen. Have a beautiful week.